Good morning, folks. Would you just pray for me for a second, please? Because I want to speak so that I'm speaking to you and that you're not just listening to idle words this morning. And, that, uh, and you'll get this message in a few moments that what he said and what God does will make a difference. Father God, I would pray this morning that people will see Jesus and not me this morning. Amen. We've got a subject um, here today looking at the the life of Matthew. Um, That's the story of Jesus through uh, the eyes of Matthew. And I want to focus really on, on a couple of things. And I've put there the word making a difference. I'm conscious that in the early life of Jesus, we don't know very much about him. We've got just a few kind of tidbits that kind of point us to what Jesus was like. We've got what I call the silent years. They're years of quietness where we just hear a little tiny bit about Jesus. Then suddenly he burst onto the scene and we've got the time that I'm looking at about the baptism and the Trinity. And of course today's Trinity Sunday. And lastly, I want to look at making a difference through the Holy Spirit. Those are the three titles for this morning. And I think in some ways this may well end up being a little tiny bit of a Bible study. So if you've got your Bibles handy, you might like to look one or two things up. The only thing is I have not given you page numbers. So this is your big test this morning. Uh, if you need to go back into the index, look to the index. But we're, we're mainly looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. No, there's no Mark, I don't think, John. And there's, um, and there's Galatians. All right? So that's what we're doing. The life of Jesus through Matthew's eyes... And those are your three points. So you'll know when I'm coming to an end. Praise God. Thought you'd get that one. (laughs) All right. The one thing I I truly believe, and after what Jill has said this morning, that God doesn't do things by accident. God's timing is always perfect. And in Galatians 4, verse 4, and that's an easy one to remember, we, we read about... The time fully coming when Jesus was to come into the world. It wasn't an accident. God chose a specific time, a specific place for a specific event. God is the God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And it's not an accident. It's not an accident that Jesus came just when he did. And it's also, it's not an accident that John came along when John did as well. So all of the things that we talk about this morning, just bear in mind that God has said that these things are happening in his order and by his design. Now let's look at a a little bit of chronology of the early years of Jesus. All right, now you can follow me through on these. First, this is about all we know of Jesus in the first 30 years of his life. Now, you get a load of this because there's not much. This is all we know. First of all, in Luke 1.31, we read, 
You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Specific. That's Luke one thirty one. Jesus' birth is foretold. The second one, Jesus born in Bethlehem, and Mary gave birth to a son, and Joseph, and I thought this is quite interesting, and Joseph gave him the name Jesus. I thought that was interesting. You can have a think about that one. The third one, Jesus is circumcised. This was all part of the Jewish, Jewish um, laws, the Levitical laws, that every Jewish child needed to be circumcised. And it was a sign. It was a sign of a covenant between the Jewish people and their God. And it was instigated way back um, many thousands of years ago in the Levitical laws. And Jesus followed the custom and was circumcised. I'm glad that's not a custom nowadays. Matthew 2.11, the visit by the wise men. I think some people think that Jesus was a baby when the wise men turned up to, to see him. And if you notice in this one, in Matthew 2.11, it talks firstly about a house. So we've moved away from a stable and a manger. And it says, at the house, they saw the child, not the baby. So we reckon at this point that Jesus may have been... I suppose about three, four years old, something of that nature, maybe a little bit older. At the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. Notice the absence there of Joseph. And they worshipped him. The wise men worshipped him. Matthew 2, 13 and 14, the family have to flee to Egypt. God God said in a dream, leave and go to Egypt because of of peril and uh, the fact that the lives of the family were in danger. Then in Matthew 2, 19-23, we hear that they are brought back to Nazareth. Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. Okay? Luke two forty one. The boy visits Jerusalem. This is a lovely story. For you young parents... Read this story. It's a a fantastic story about how Jesus, at the age of 12, goes to the temple. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And it's a fantastic story of of Jesus disappearing for a while. And in Matthew 13, verse 55 and 56, we read about Jesus' brothers and sisters. So Mary and Joseph obviously had other uh, children. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon and Judas, aren't all his sisters with us? I wonder what they were like. I wonder what they were like. And finally, we come to Jesus' baptism. And that's it. That's what are called the silent years. From 12 until Jesus came, to meet John the Baptist, that's silent. We have no idea what was going on during those years of Jesus' life. I think there's a couple of things we, we do know. We know that Jesus' ministry began when he was about 30. And if you want that reference, it's Luke chapter 3, verse 23. We know that even at 12 years old, that he was aware of having a unique ministry. Jesus wasn't just... Any, any young boy, 
He was a boy who knew and studied the scriptures. So obviously in these early years, he was, he was very, very familiar with studying the scriptures. Didn't you know in Luke uh, 2.49, it says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? We noticed that when he was in the t- temple, that he was teaching the other people. Can you imagine somebody like, I don't know, Dan Hansford, you know, standing here and teaching? You know, we'd be amazed. We'd be amazed. A 12-year-old child teaching the scriptures and expanding to theologians in this day and age. We would be amazed at that sort of thing. I know Dan's not 12, but there we are. After three days, his parents found him in the temple courts amongst all the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone was amazed at his understanding, at his answers. And we know that from Matthew 13 that Jesus spent a lot of time at home, probably taking on his father's business of working with wood. Um, Maybe being a carpenter, we're not quite sure. But tradition has it that he was a, a carpenter. So these were years of preparation. All of this time, waiting for the right moment to begin a public ministry. In Luke 2 verse 40, we read that the child grew in wisdom and stature and knowledge and understanding and the grace of God was on him. But his parents just didn't understand his mission in life. Yes, Mary had been spoken to by the angel Gabriel, but still, I don't think she quite understood what her son was here for, what he was going to do. When his parents saw him in the temple, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he says? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Had a purpose. Had a purpose but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Secondly, we move on to Jesus' baptism and the Trinity. Now, it's Trinity Sunday, as John has already said. Isn't that a wonderful picture? That's a fantastic picture. And one day, Jesus left home. That day that every parent dreads when the child... Well, some people dread. (laughs) But the day that the, the child left home, the man left home, this was no longer just a young lad who'd been in the temple. Jesus was now leaving home. He was 30 years old. He left the place that he'd grown up in and he came to the Jordan, to be baptised by John. And we've already read that passage this morning, Matthew 3. This was the right time, the right place, and Jesus' ministry had begun. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why was Jesus baptised? It's quite a fundamental question, really, because if Jesus had no sin... Why did he need to be baptised? He did it really as 
as a way of showing God's advancing work. And Jesus was baptized because, firstly, he was confessing the sin on behalf of the people, just as had happened in the Old Testament. He was confessing the world's sin at that point. He wasn't confessing his own. Secondly, he was showing support for what John had done. John had come along and had made an amazing difference. There was this, this strange beast of a man who was roaming the wilderness. And people were fascinated by him. And they followed him. And you only follow people who make differences. You only follow a football team if they're making a difference. Well, sometimes you're loyal to them, but you want them to make a difference. The people followed John. He was a mysterious man. He spoke about repentance. He spoke about preparing the way for the Lord. What Lord? The people were just mystified by him. And Jesus was showing support for what John had done. And thirdly, and this is probably the most important, Jesus was inaugurating his public ministry. This is the first time that Jesus had been seen publicly making himself known to the people. And I think above all, he was identifying with the penitent people. The people that John had been there had repented. John spoke a gospel of repentance and he saw that people wanted to repent of their sins and Jesus was just aligning himself with this, not with the critical Pharisees who were looking and kind of trying to work out what was really going on. And I think as we come into the baptism we see the clearest references ever to the Trinity. Now, folks, I'm not going to try and explain the Trinity to you. If I could, I'd probably be a very rich man. And I'd be one of the world's greatest exponents. But it's interesting. The Trinity, if you look at, in your Bibles, the, uh, at Matthew 3.16, you'll notice very, very clearly here Open it at Matthew 3.16 if you've got it there. You'll see quite easily the Godhead is three in one. God the Son is baptised. God the Father, the voice, speaks. And God the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove on Jesus. God the Son is baptised, God the Father speaks, God the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. That is the clearest reference that you're going to get to the Trinity, being shown all in one place at the same time. Now I want to give you a couple of interesting things. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, is the Godhead. There's no differentiation between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are one. They are one entity, one essence. But it's interesting to note that when Christ was with his disciples on earth, he was the disciples' counsellor. He was their comforter. 
He was their strengthener. Today, we call on the Holy Spirit to be our counsellor, our advocate, our comforter, our strengthener. But when Jesus was with the disciples, the Holy Spirit in that sense wasn't needed because God was there in the form of Jesus. In the next slide, we can see the word... That, that's the one. The next one. The comforter. When Jesus returned to the Father, he left the disciples, and it was then that the comforter, the parakletos, was to come. This is a fantastic word, parakletos. It literally means one who is called alongside. Now, I don't know whether any of you have had the pleasure of seeing the, uh, the Bayer Tapestry. But in the Bayer Tapestry, there's a, there's a part there where, um, I think it's uh, King Harold, uh, encourages his men by kind of prodding them and, and sticking a spike into them. And this is, a, this is the word from where we get the word paraclete, paracletos. And it means a comforter, but one who moves you on, who gives you a bit of a kick, all right? Gives you the urge to go. Anybody seen the film Gladiator? Come on. Surely it's my favourite film. Thank you. I can see those hands. Gladiator, my favourite film, right at the beginning, Russell Crowe, um, Maximus, he's, he's there on, on the hillside. And he talks to his men who are going to come down the hillside and outflank the armies. And he just, he just encourages them. He builds them up. And he says, don't worry if you die. If you, if you feel the sun on your back, you're in Elysium, you're in heaven. He said, go into the battle. He's, he's building his troops up and they, they then go down and they win an enormous battle. Great cost, but an enormous battle. And that's what the comforter is. The comforter is somebody, the Holy Spirit is somebody who will come alongside and be with us day after day, encouraging us, firing us up, moving us on, urging us to do things. That little quiet voice that says, tell them I'm a Christian. Tell them, tell them you're a Christian. No, 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 no. Go on, tell them you're a Christian. That little voice, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the comforter, that's the advocate. That's the voice of God telling you to do these things. The person of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49 says, See, I send the promise of my Father. This is Jesus talking just before his ascension. See, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And that's a beautiful phrase. Now go back to um, in, in Judges when, oh, what's his name? Can't give his name. He's cl- um, clothed with the Spirit. Come on. No. Can't get his name. It's gone from me. I didn't make it in my notes. But there's a, there's a beautiful place where um, uh, one of the men is, is clothed with the spirit. And it literally means that he puts on the spirit like a jacket, like a coat. It's in, in Judges. I can't think of the guy's name. But it's a beautiful phrase. And that's what the Holy Spirit is like. It envelops, it clothes, clothes you. I, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city and you'll be clothed with power from on high. And John fourteen sixteen, 
And I will ask the Father and he will give you another, another counsellor. Now that's an interesting word, another. It is the word in Greek, alos. And what alos means, it's not a, re- it's not a replacement. It's not a different one. If there had been a different counsellor, it would have been the word hetros, where we get hetero from. Okay? But he uses the word alos, which literally means the same as. So what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to send you somebody who's the same as me. So we have got the presence of the Godhead with us through the Holy Spirit. The disciples had Jesus with them. Have I explained that? Really? Yeah? Tell me if you don't understand. Yeah? All right. So that's the difference in the words. I will give you another counsellor. And the regenerating power of the Spirit came on the disciples just before Jesus' ascension. And the word for spirit there is the word pneuma from where we get pneumatic or breath or blow. And the Spirit was poured out upon all believers at Pentecost. And that's what the guys and girls were talking about last, last Sunday, if you were here. Our young people, they were talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost, shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven. God the Holy Spirit is not a gimmick. It's not a bolt-on. It's not an accessory. It's not an it at all. It's, it's a per, it's, he's a person. God the Holy Spirit is, is a real person. The personality of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came, he came to make a difference to the people he saw when he was out and about. He made a difference to people who couldn't walk. He made a difference to tax collectors and people who were deaf. He made a difference to mums and dads and children. He made a difference to the authorities And he's made a difference to me. He's made a difference to me. The day that I accepted him as my saviour, he made a difference to me. I can remember it quite vividly. I felt as if just a a ton weight had been let, let off my shoulders when I asked Christ into my life. Christ made a difference to me. And Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit as a helper, literally one who will come alongside and be our companion. And folks, you may not have realised it, but the Holy Spirit is here. And he's saying little things in your head. He's saying things and he's challenging you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And when you're out and about this week, I want you to be listening to what God is saying to you through the Holy Spirit. Just keep your spiritual ears open. And you'll find that 
you're, you're finding quite remarkable ways that God will start to say things to you. Just a little bit of encouragement. Tell them where you were on Sunday morning. I can't tell them I go to church. Tell them you were in church Sunday morning. That might just be all you've got to do. Let your light shine. Do you want your life to make a difference? You young, there's a lot of youngsters sitting in this morning. You teenagers, early twenties. You know you you've got so much ahead of you. You've got so much time ahead of you. Do you want to make a difference? Do you really want your life to make a difference? Or are you just going to kind of go along? Just go with the flow. You know? Take it as it comes. Or are you going to be somebody who's going to stand head and shoulders above and lead the way and make a difference to the people that you meet every day? I just feel that I want you to let the Holy Spirit do something new in your life. Shut your eyes a second and have a listen to this. Try and imagine, as you listen to what I'm saying, this scene. A tourist was walking along a remote beautiful beach one evening whilst holidaying in Mexico. It was a gorgeous, hot evening and he decided to walk as near to the ocean as possible to keep cool. As he wandered along the shoreline, he saw a lone figure in the distance that turned out to be a young boy from a local village. About seven years old, he was busy throwing what the man assumed to be stones into the sea. However, the closer he got to the young boy, it became clear that the objects being thrown with such vigour were not stones, but starfish. Looking beyond the boy, he realised that literally thousands of starfish had been washed up on the beach, following the heavy seas earlier in the day. What are you doing, young man? He asked, once he reached the boy. I'm saving the starfish that have been washed up after the storm, the boy answered. But there are thousands of starfish on the beach. What possible difference can you make? The man responded. The boy bent down, picked up another starfish, and he hurled it into the sea with all his might. And he splashed it in the ocean. And he said, Well, I made a difference to that one. The man and the young boy stood on the beach, throwing starfish. into the ocean until it became too dark to carry on. And that's it. That's me done. Now it's over to you and the Holy Spirit see what God wants to do.
He wants to make a difference in you. Another lovely picture of those starfish. Look at that. The Holy Spirit wants to help you worship God in a fresh way. He wants to do something new with us. Our God is not a God of tradition. He's not bound by traditions. He's a free God. The Holy Spirit is here setting you free. Not binding you up. He's here to set you free. Do you want to make a difference? You're going to make a difference? Young people, you're going to make a difference? Harry? I know you are. You're going to make a difference. Father, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you for all these people and I thank you for their patience in listening to me. And Lord, I ask that you will now brood over these people and us. Holy Spirit, that you will touch lives. Holy Spirit, that you will help even these babies in the congregation make a difference with their lives. The older folks who may be feeling that they've got nothing to contribute. Lord, I pray that you will help them even in their latter years make a difference. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. Holy Spirit, make a difference.